Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, hands-on history with Heather. Hi, everyone. This is Heather Darcy with the Hands-On History segment of Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. You might also know me from my book, Anna, Duchess of Cleves, The King's Beloved Sister, and my second book, which is coming out, Children of the House of Cleves, Anna and Her Siblings. And that is, of course, available on Amazon or anywhere your favorite books are sold. I would say that right now, Children of the House of Cleves is only available for purchase via UK websites. It should be released in the US a few months after June 2023. I'm thinking September 2023, but I will keep you posted on that. We have an atypical episode of Hands-On History for you. I booked a trip to England some months ago, and it just so happened that I arrived in England the day after the Queen passed away. And so I thought that I would describe to the listeners who were unable to get to London to see what was going on, some of what I saw. And so that is why we don't have a typical guest today. When I first arrived in England, it was about 10 o'clock at night and I landed in Heathrow Airport and it was very, very quiet. I, I had expected for more people to be on the flight, which I took from the Chicago airport out to Heathrow, but there wasn't really anybody on the plane. And when we landed, it was nighttime. It was kind of quiet at the airport. I'm not sure if that's typical or not by this point. But what struck me was when I was coming down a ramp in Terminal 3, there was a black sign well, the sign is an electronic sign, but normally it has an advertisement on it or has information about the airport or something like that. But it was condolences from Heathrow Airport to the royal family for the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, which, of course, had just happened the day before. The day that Queen Elizabeth was in her last throes of existence, uh, 8th September 2022, I was on the phone quite a bit with my friends over in England talking about what was going on and how things were changing, how we thought that maybe the queen was finally passing away. I remember them describing to me what they were seeing on the television, which included several secret service members or something akin to that, kind of crawling all over Balmoral, barricades being put up, things along those lines. And nobody really knew what was going on. But I think by that point, without disclosing it to the public, it was pretty obvious that the queen was unfortunately passing away. 
I did go to Victoria and Albert Museum while I was there. Also the National Archives at both of those places. They had books of condolences that you could sign as a visitor and leave a nice message for the royal family if you wanted to. I know that they probably had those in other places, but those were the only two that I specifically saw. So I did, I did sign, I signed both of them. I don't know if I should have signed both of them, but I did. But um, so those were available and there were little monuments in these public buildings to the queen. On the Monday, I went to Stonehenge and the city of Bath, and I'm under the impression that the on the Sunday right after the Queen passed away that they did do a multi-gun salute at Stonehenge. Other than that, I, I didn't really see anything other than maybe a couple little signs. But So when I went to Bath, there is Bath Abbey, which is right next to the Roman Baths, after which I assume the city of Bath is named. Very clever. Anyway, went inside the Abbey, and it was it was kind of a strange time of day. I mean, it was maybe 10 to 2 or, or a quarter to 2 in the afternoon, and there were, again, monument or memorials to the Queen. The front altar, or high altar, I suppose I should say, definitely was decorated in honor of the Queen. And uh, at one point, the I'm going to call the person a religious leader because I don't know if they're a priest or a preacher in the Anglican church, because I simply don't know. But the religious leader got on the pulpit and gave a very nice, comforting talk to all the people who were present in the abbey and led a prayer. And so I thought that it was very nice that even as far away as Bath, which is about a two and a half hour drive west of west-ish of London, that they were trying to provide spiritual comfort to the citizens of the United Kingdom and also whoever was wandering through the building with the passing of the Queen. One thing that I learned that really helps put in perspective just how remarkable of a person she was and how remarkable it was for her to live for as long as she did is that the Queen existed for a third of the length of time that the United States has existed. So we are a very young country, but that's pretty wild to think about. Also in the city of Bath, when I went down to there's this really pretty green area right on the river. And I want to say it's called a parade ground, but I'm not certain. So please don't quote me on that. But normally you do have to pay a fee to go in there. And they had waived the fee for that day so that people could come and pay their respects to the queen. And on television, some of you might've seen the really, really large stacks of bouquets and flowers that were spread about in London, in the, in the green park. And in, I think St. James's park as well, they had a smaller, but no less, honorable display of flowers in the park that I went to that was right on the riverfront in Bath. I do think the most striking thing about that day, though, was just seeing how the religious leaders were trying to do their best to comfort the country. I myself am not a super religious person, so I was, but I was still very touched by what they were trying to do. On the Thursday, so approximately a week, or actually a week indeed after the Queen passed away, was my big adventure up to London to take in the queue and debate whether or not I wanted to stand in it. I did not, but I can describe to you a little bit about what it was like to be there. So I came out of Waterloo Station. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's kind of by the London Eye. You can walk to the London Eye from there, and that's in the South Bank region. If you go a little bit west, there's Westminster Bridge. And that was completely closed to vehicular traffic. So we were able to walk across it and walk to Westminster Palace, which is, of course, where Parliament is and where you have the Elizabeth Tower and Big Ben Bell up in the tower and things like that. And the Westminster Abbey is right by there. But 
no traffic. Nobody was peddling anything. My mother had specifically asked for me to bring her back something having to do with the passing of the queen. And there was none of that there. I didn't see any of it. So walked across the bridge and it was a bit surreal because you got to walk smack in the middle of it and there were no cars. And then you get to the green space outside of Westminster Abbey and Westminster Palace or the Palace of Westminster. And that was also closed to traffic. So people were able to just walk around and we saw the different scaffolding that was put up to allow for the news crews to record her being taken into Westminster Abbey on the Monday for her funeral. We walked around there and it was very, very quiet. I would say it was very quiet in London. I know that some of it, of course, had to do with the lack of traffic, but just in general for the volume of people that were gathered, I was surprised by how quiet it was. After finishing touring um, Parliament Square is what that green area was called. After we got done walking around Parliament Square, we crossed back over on Lambeth Bridge, which is the next bridge west of Westminster Bridge, and went across, saw Lambeth Palace. That was closed to the public. I, I think normally it is open to the public. And fun fact, I'm pretty sure that Anne Boleyn's mother, Elizabeth Howard, is rumored to be entombed in the coffee shop, I believe, of Lambeth Palace. But anyway, don't don't quote me on that. So walked across Lambeth Bridge that did have vehicular traffic on it. And again, though, this part of London was it was still very, very quiet. Then walked all the way to Blackfriars, which is a pretty, pretty good walk. You have to mean to do that. You do not accidentally walk to the Blackfriars region. But there is it, it we walked all along the queue. So we're back on the south side of the river and there's the queue there. And of course when we were walking from the Westminster area over to Lambeth Bridge, you had a, a large section of the queue and they had um portable bathrooms put up. And I'm sure that the different vendors along the route were making were doing their best to help service the people who were standing in line for hours and hours and hours. But again, very, very quiet, extremely orderly. There was a heavy police presence, but overall there was a sense of mourning, which I was really impressed with. So like I was saying, we were we walked to Blackfriars. And for those of you, again, who are not super familiar with London, that's pretty far east, but it's not quite to the tower. So, and there's two two bridges, I guess you could say for Blackfriars. There's the actual Blackfriars Bridge is my understanding. And that takes cars and people across the Thames. And then there's the Blackfriars train station, which is glass. So you can get really, really amazing views of the Thames and of the city. And by the time that we went there, it was nighttime. So we went up on the bridge and looked to the east. And when you're looking east, you can see London Bridge and then Tower Bridge, which is the really, really iconic bridge. I couldn't really see the Tower of London. I knew where it was supposed to be on the river, but just where we were standing, I couldn't see it. So I don't know exactly what it looks like at that time of night in honor of the Queen, but you could clearly see the Shard and several other landmark buildings, I guess you could say, in London, and they were all lit up purple in honor of her passing. So that was very interesting to see. And then walking back to Waterloo train station again along the South Bank area, you would just kind of come upon different tributes to her. So, for example, outside the British Film Institute or the BFI, they had a short film of the announcement of the Queen's birth and then kind of up through, I, I think it might have gone through the Platinum Jubilee. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I think it did. Or I have a feeling that it did. I should say I watched the end of it 
And I think that that's where I saw at the end. And then it started over. And then I watched a chunk of the first of it. And then I walked off. So there was tribute. There were tributes like that. Also, some of the buildings had projections of images of the queen when she visited them. So I'm, I'm just going to make up a date. But for example, you know, the queen was here for the 25th anniversary of this establishment in 1978. And then there would be a, a projection of the queen on the side of the building so lots of that again quiet orderly if nothing else people were very good at standing in the queue and being patient but and then a lot of the electronic billboards did not have actual advertisements they were this very similar to the one in Heathrow where it said that they gave their condolences to the royal family or sadness, expressing sadness over the passing of Elizabeth II, or some of them just displayed a picture of her with the years of her birth and passing on it. So all in all, that was my experience kind of taking in this historic moment. I did do a write-up over on my website of maidensandmanuscripts.com, but quite frankly, if you've listened to this short special segment of hands-on history, you've you've gotten the whole picture, I think. But Definitely an interesting time to be in London, interesting time and sad time to be alive, losing the queen. She, I kind of view her as being a lot of people's stand-in grandmother. She was the grandmother of a country. She was an excellent example of how to comport oneself in difficult situations. And regardless of any, any political things, she did do a fine job stepping up and taking on such a serious mantle, especially at such a young age. I think she was only 25 or 26, well, 26 when she became queen. So those were my experiences. I hope that this has given you an idea of what it was like to be in London during that historic time. And thank you so much for listening. Again, this is Heather Darcy with Hands on History, this segment for Tudor's Dynasty. And we will get back to our regular programming with the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.